1: Hi and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast, the podcast that is bringing embodied birth wisdom from women from all over the world, sharing their natural birth stories. Don't forget to subscribe and download so that you can always have access to these empowering and positive natural birth stories. Hi, my name is Anna, also known as the Spiritual Midwife, and I am the Natural Birth Podcast host. I'm a midwife and a childbirth educator and I work with women worldwide assisting them in having an empowering and natural birth experience and to truly claim their birth as a rite of passage. I offer online one-on-one sessions, packages and online courses for the conscious mamas who don't want to leave their birth up to chance. If you want to know more about me and what I do in the world, Then please visit me at thenaturalbirthcourse.com or connect with me on Instagram as the underscore spiritual underscore midwife. Now, if you love this podcast, then please consider taking a moment right now and leave a review. They mean the world to me and is also your way of helping me reach more women around the world with these natural and empowering birth stories. Together We are changing the birth narrative one birth story at a time. Today on the Natural Birth Podcast, we have Rebecca. Rebecca is a mama of two from the UK, now living in Sweden with her Swedish husband. Rebecca and I met after Rebecca contacted me to be her spiritual midwife here in Stockholm, Sweden. At our first meeting, we discussed her previous traumatic hospital birth and how she, this time, was considering free birthing as she didn't really want to go back to the hospital. But this was not something that she was fully 100% anchored in and her husband was also not happy about it. So we came to the conclusion that home birth with a registered midwife for safety was the way to go. As I am no longer a registered midwife after leaving Australia and moving back to Sweden, I helped Rebecca find a registered Swedish home birth midwife who carry the medications and equipment and can provide that extra medical assistance in the rare chance that Rebecca or her baby needed it. And I would assist Rebecca as her spiritual midwife, emotionally, mentally, physically and spiritually. With the presence of her husband and me and the other home birth midwife, Rebecca birthed her beautiful baby peacefully in her birth pool at home after a few days of perdomal labor. And both Rebecca and her husband were amazed at how peaceful and calm her birth was compared to her first hospital birth. And I feel so very blessed to have been invited into her home to sit with her at the birth altar. Curious about Rebecca? Find her on Instagram as Rebecca Underwood. Now this redemptive physiological home birth experience that Rebecca had sparked an interest in her in becoming a sacred space holder for birth herself, which you will hear us mentioning in this episode. And she's now applying for the September cohort of the Spiritual Midwife Mentorship Program. And I could not be more proud, honored, and excited for her to join. The feedback that I'm getting from the mentorship students are just incredible. One of my beautiful mentees shared this with me to share with you. She says, This mentorship is not for everyone there is a certain type of soul calling and embodiment that is required. The mentorship's intention is to cultivate sacred space holders for birth and sacred physiological birth advocates. This requires a full excavation of our cellular imprints, lineage traits, collective wounding, a housekeeping effort that leaves no crack, nook or cranny untouched. It is a true initiatory journey that Anna is taking us on, all with a simple invitation. We get to make the decision, the free will choice, to go deep, to look within ourselves and ask and answer the questions that define us, to be a sacred space holder. One must be a clear channel. This is not some woo-woo or foo-foo lingo. This is the truth. I have to be conscious of what I am bringing into that holy, sacred, vast, and powerful portal that is birth. Every thread of energy matters. That means every intent, thought, action, word, and resonance, every draw matters. So we unearthed her story our red thread lineage, our birth imprints, our blood rites, our first menarch, our own birth portal experiences, our relationship to our bodies, our sacred yonis, sexuality and more. The container set and held is solid and deep. We get to be witnessed by a cohort of vetted sisters that all have agreed to also take the plunge. We listen to each other with full hearts. We get to be witnessed as we unravel and weave ourselves together. This mentorship is most certainly not a doula training. Oh no, it is a soul calling. It requires 100% commitment to yourself, your future self and the women in the cohort. It is a reclamation of the divine feminine. It is a remembering of the matriarch. It is healing the collective witch and sister wound and so much more. If you would like to know what liberation looks and feels and tastes like, if you want to be a part of the true healing needed so desperately within humanity on our planet today, if you wish to serve at the birth altar or anywhere near its sphere, like woman's circles, preconception, pregnancy, postpartum, or blood rites, then I invite you to lean in. Anna has set the container that can hold you wherever you may be along the path. If you feel the call, it's time to answer. Thank you so much, Emily, for sharing your experience of the mentorship with us. And yes, it's time to answer. The doors for the September intake are now open. If you felt moved by these mentees' words and feel a resonance and a yes, then don't hesitate to apply and join us. You will be invited to a discovery call with me to speak of your dreams and your visions of how you'd like to work in this birth world and to see if this mentorship is truly for you. And I can't wait for you who are aligned to start this journey. And I am just so incredibly surprised by the depth and how profound this journey has been so far with this cohort. And I would love to have you join us, well. Find out more about the Spiritual Midwife Mentorship Program at the naturalbirthcourse.com or via the link in the bio. Now let's dive in to the Rebecca's birth story. Hi Rebecca and welcome to the Natural Birth Podcast. How are uh-huh. you? <laughs> I'm good Anna, how are you? Brilliant. It is so fabulous to see your beautiful face again because I have not seen you since we had our last postnatal visit which must have been over a year ago now it was over a year ago because it was yeah he's one now and (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's so so crazy so it's so lovely you know obviously we couldn't help Ourselves, so we've been chatting away for the last twenty minutes, and then went like, "Stop! We need to record, Mm -hmm. wind back." (laughs) And we've been even been looking through our like our text messages, going like, "How was it again when you were birthing?" Because obviously, I was at your birth. So this podcast episode will be a bit different from the normal natural birth podcast episodes, where it's me hearing the birth story for the first time. This time, like I've had a few times before, women who I've worked with come on, it'll be like your story and my story from two different perspectives. Mm -hmm. So strap on in (laughs) as we tell our stories. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so excited to actually
0: reminisce about this because I was actually listening to Emma's um, podcast just right before and I was getting so excited like remembering the points of the birth and yeah so now actually because you were there it's going to be perfect because we can like piece together the
1: the blanks uh, together <laughs> together yes, exactly because <laughs> it, as it was a year ago and obviously lots have happened in your life and I have obviously attended births after yours so it's going to be a puzzle to like mm-hmm. get, and so we're very lucky that we have a trail of messages that can tell us a bit of, because both you and I had kind of forgotten that you actually had a bit of a prodromal labor. Like, yeah. I don't remember that, but now looking at our messages, like, yeah, right. Anyways, we're not going to get into this story because first we're going to talk about, you actually had two babas. So you had mm-hmm. a, a birth before this one that we're going to dive deeper into today that I was with you at um but we're going to start with your first labor and birth just briefly you know getting pregnant you know, you're know, you from the UK but you've had both your babies in Sweden mm-hmm. and so just yeah sharing a little bit about your first birth um how you thought about it how you prepared you know and how that birth kind of was it was obviously a medicalized and for you traumatic experience hence why you Hmm. were choosing something different for your second so let's unpack that a little bit for our listeners yeah it's so I actually
0: never really thought about having um a home birth I I just it just didn't come on my radar I thought oh no that's you know like crunchy mums or you know (laughs) and um it wasn't until like three months before giving birth to my second that. I actually considered it and the reason for that is um so my first birth I um I really prepared for it like <laughs> I'd done the natural birth course I think it's the positive birth company one back then and you know it does have a module on like how to prepare for different scenarios and stuff like that so I'd even prepared for what what's going to happen if it doesn't go the way that I want in the hospital um, so I felt really equipped going in and as probably a lot of first time mothers do, like had a huge prepared hospital bag, thought of everything. And you know what? None of that was actually needed. And um, what was really needed in that situation was even more knowledge and education around the birthing system as yes. itself, because a lot everything's geared up for hospital births and it doesn't is this like a gap in the information that they provide we were just speaking about it before a little bit that they kind of emit a lot of information so that it's easier to control you so to speak I don't know if that's the case for everybody but I definitely felt that um here in Sweden so just a quick rundown I won't go too much into like the details but I arrived in the hospital and immediately they wanted to do certain things to me, which I'd, you know, put that all in my birth plan, like things that I wouldn't, wouldn't allow. And I just, you know, they want being hooked up is I'm so like a sensitive person in that way. Like I don't like having anything on me, especially when I'm in pain and I, I do like to feel like I'm in control in some respects and if I ever get told what to do it's it just agitates me Mm. and they wanted you know to put in the the cannula and have the the heart rate monitor on and yeah yeah, and it was
1: just like a battle even in the beginning and this is for a low-risk woman so for anyone listening you know for me being an Australian midwife coming from that system I've been shocked and horrified to understand the system in Sweden that is so medicalized Mm. because it's so known that Sweden is so so progressive. But when it comes to birth and maternity care, I can tell you not. It's not. It's not. And the whole thing about routine CTGs, which is known, so well known around the world that it only increases the risk of cesarean, epidural, a um, scalp electrode on your baby's head, screwed into your baby's head, instrumental birth it just increases all the intervention Mm. and it does not do anything and I want everyone to hear it does nothing it doesn't benefit you or your baby at all it only does the opposite but they're hell-bent in Sweden to do it routine CTGs and all babies all mamas low risk high risk doesn't matter and this Mm. is very unique it it doesn't happen all around the world it does happen a lot in the US but this is um this is not good practice and you as a low risk first-time mama, why would you have a cannula in your hand? Sorry, I'm getting really worked up. we were not. <laughs> up. Yeah, well, I
0: managed to keep the cannula out for half of it, and then they'd got the doctor in, and she was like, "Look, it's better to do it now." I'm like, "Well, what for? You know, yes. like, I, I don't. I'm not having anything." <laughs> um, and you get to a point where you just get exhausted from the constant, like. Back and forth and battling when you you know you, you're going through your surges and it, you just don't have that fight to take. It's like you, you just go concentrating only on this and and that was actually this throughout the experience there. You know, I did meet some lovely midwives, um, but just because of their routines, they were I felt like they were limited in what they could have, couldn't kind of do, and it was at Karolinska, the new one in Solna here in Stockholm and it's quite renowned to be quite medicalized anyway so yeah I, I was you know I wasn't uh, self-success <laughs> you, you know even not knowing anything really because it was my first birth and I didn't know what to expect and hmm. um yeah and I ended up this so the the, the heart rate managed kept falling off my tummy because I'd lost so much water when my waters broke that I had this weird shaped uh, bump. Um, So then they came in and they kind of told me off that it wasn't on because they couldn't see it on the screen outside. And they said, well, we're going to have to put on a scalpel electrode. And I had no idea that that's screwed into the baby's head. That's weird. And I would never, ever, ever allow that again. Anyway, Mm. long story short, uh, I ended up having every single drug
1: yeah.
0: out there um, and and not a nice experience with the anaesthetists and blah 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 and then in, in the end had 10 people around me all shouting different instructions at me whilst I'm on my back and the two docs were even arguing with themselves about what was the best course of action. And then they just created all this panic in the room, whacked on the lights full and said, look, it's either we use the suction or a cesarean. And I didn't really have a choice to Mm -hmm. say no to any of them (laughs) at that point because they just made out that my baby was going to die, which was not the case. She came out perfectly healthy. And so anyway, long labor, not a great experience. I didn't really realize how that had affected me because I was so positive after she came out. Like I just completely forgot about all of that. And it wasn't until three months before Ruben was born that I had this like complete fear just overcome me. Mm-hmm. And I went into panic mode and I was like, oh my God, I'm, I don't want to do that again. I'm, I don't want to go in there. I don't, I don't even want to be in a hospital again because I just felt like my, whole choice was taking it out and you know things weren't explained to me at the time and uh, the epidural you know which I had I didn't even want the epidural but they said it'll help me to get some rest because it was a long birth and I was rushed into having that and I started to go into sh- shock whilst I was having that and uh anyway so I don't want to keep going back on that story because, but it, it's just to sort of see the contrast of, and where that came from, this desire to have a natural birth. Yeah. And that really did open a whole door of, in the world of birth. It's so much so that I even like, I've, I'm have wanting to work with that as well. I haven't told you that, Anna, but yeah, I, there's like part of me that's like pulling me towards, a lot, you know, ha- having this, uh, for other women, yeah. because every woman deserves a beautiful, empowering birth, which I didn't know was possible. But that you
1: got. And I'm so glad you did. Yeah.
0: yeah. But let's go back to the story because yeah. you,
1: because so, so three months before your second birth with me, mm-hmm. what happened? You started feeling this panic in your body. You started to remember yeah. what had happened. Yeah. I felt, I felt it in my chest like I was like,
0: like almost struggling to breathe because it was like that remembering lack of control and um, just like I totally failed my body and failed my baby. And, um, you know, and that, I don't feel like that was theirs to take. Like it it certainly wasn't my body. I mean, I'm a healthy 34 at the time um,
1: year old woman. No, it was and, totally the system you we were birthing in, which is the case for so many women.
0: Yeah. I'd even tried, like, I've even been on the phone with the department at the hospital who deal with women who are scared of giving birth. <laughs> and that's not, like, that even, I ended up ended, sort of thinking, gosh, they really do have limitations in what they can do for you. Um and i thought this is this even though she was talking through like how i can feel more empowered it was within their guidelines
1: yeah and you know so what? most women they can yeah most women that are scared what they say is that's booking for an induction because then you can control it then you know when it happens you can come in you get your epidural and then you won't feel anything and then you'll have your baby and we just medicalize the whole way and then you have to don't have to be scared mm. But what they're doing then is taking an already traumatized woman who's scared and putting her into a situation which has a high likelihood of more interventions and more trauma. Of course. It's absolutely insane.
0: It, so that how they sort of, I think, sell it in that way, they say, you know, like have an induction is so that they can control it so that you don't have to do anything, really. They just tell you everything you have to do, which, I mean, that that's not my style. I. I need to feel like it's been
1: driven by me not you know the other way around um so many people have had traumatic births it's exactly what you say the loss of control and autonomy over your own body Mm. process everything and here they're saying oh our solution is to totally do that again from the get-go just Mm. you just you're just the passenger now and we're just gonna do this to your body how is that? I don't know. That, and How is
0: that a solution? <laughs> no, exactly. And I think at the time, you know, you're we saying like what triggered it for me three months before. And it was because the last three people I knew, like friends and family that had had babies since my last one. Um they'd all ended up in emergency cesareans and had like these terrible, terrible situations. Luckily, I didn't end up having a cesarean, but I might as well have because, you know, I was stitched up to the nines, like 19 stitches, Um, I'd hemorrhaged, like all of the things that could have gone wrong at that time did. And I'm, you know, actually believe that them, you know, even just checking me, my dilation, which I thought they had to do, and, um, every time they did it, they were trying to pull my cervix around because they said it was too far back. And that in itself, every time they did that, I threw up and I just felt so ill and like so much pain from that process. And I was like, I, I didn't know that that could, I could have been avoided, probably would have slowed. That's probably why it was a long birth. I think it was slowing it down. So I just think there was a real chain reaction of, um, interventions that, um happened mm-hmm. and yeah so this so i went to the complete end of the other spectrum and wanted to do, not quite free birth but
1: well, you to were, have
0: you, a natural were, home birth
1: you were a little bit into the free birth idea cuz let's let's come to so when you had these feelings you started to search for a different way right so mm. tell us the story of how you found me yeah
0: so when when i decided that i wanted to have a natural birth I spoke to my friend in Australia who's actually originally from the UK lives in Sydney and she'd had a similar situation to me with her first child and then was you know really determined to have a better experience home birth and she'd shared with me um, a really great documentary called Birth Time and I highly recommend people to watch that if, if they haven't before okay. having a baby so cool. um and So I went watched that, went away. I was even more like determined myself as well, just to have a similar experience to what she did the second time she had a home birth, which they don't allow if you've had a cesarean in the hospital, they don't allow you to have a natural vaginal birth the second time. She's saying oh at home. So they won't provide you with a midwife. Yeah, they won't provide you a midwife. So she had to do it all private. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh I'm not sure that's Australia wide but yeah there's Mm -hmm. definitely depending on the hospital and the home birth program and so on and so forth it depends but yeah generally you have to go with a privately practicing independent midwife yeah.
0: Her her story was just so inspiring because you know she she ended up having quite a large baby and it was all at home no pain relief just she just you know had a beautiful beautiful birth um and then I contacted her again I was like look I'm just so lost and confused with what I'm gonna do because Victor my husband he was quite scared about having a home birth and he was really unsure as soon as I said it it was like oh no way like no hospital is safest place to be so then I was like looking for midwives and doulas and I was just so confused and I didn't know where to begin and obviously being British don't speak very good Swedish so I, yeah I I wanted to feel like I had the right person and um, she said leave it with me and then strangely she got back to me with your number um, and your Instagram and she'd spoke, been speaking I think to some friends that live in Byron and knew about you or had, you'd worked with them and yeah. And I gave you a call and I'm so glad I did because it was just life-changing. I can say that. Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> I just love this story. I just love how it went around the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It started in Sweden, went all the way back, all the way back. <laughs> That's incredible. And I remember the first time we met, first we chatted on the on the phone with soon maybe. And already then I think you whispered a little bit about, mm, I might just stay at home and maybe have a free birth. Or, and then we sat in your couch and, you know, you spoke about this first birth and, and how you were, you know, you were going to go into hospital, but you know, if it happened at home, you know, before, if you didn't make it and I could hear in your voice, how it was like a part of you really wanted that. And I was like, are you, are you considering birthing on a sister? And, and you were like, well, you know, maybe. And then your hospital was like, so not on board on that at all yeah <laughs> so, his eyes
0: just were like in shock when he, he said yeah. what, what do you mean well what do you mean you might not make it to hospital and accidentally have it at home <laughs> I said well you know sometimes you shouldn't really get in the car when you establish labor and it can slip it <laughs> so he, he I think he caught on to that I was you know gunning for this home birth and um at that point then we, then we decided you know we we would we wanted you as our um, spiritual midwife and of course that I think the negotiation there for Victor was that if we're going to do the home birth thing Mm. it like let's get a midwife as well yeah um exactly yeah half of me was a little bit in agreement there because I wasn't in the place ready to you know do the work for a free birth and I I wouldn't forgive myself you know if anything had gone wrong um and I did hemorrhage the first birth so I was like oh my mum hemorrhaged with me like is that something you know I'm R- RS negative RD negative so I'd need the injection and I, I don't know I just still had a bit of fear left about that but anyway it, it, the thing around the free birth was why I was toying with it's because actually it was quite difficult to find a midwife that close to the due date yeah so we i think together we'd sort of said right okay here's the plan of action try and find a midwife if we can't get one then plan b will be that you come to the hospital with me
1: yeah
0: and you know you're you're in my corner so to speak because i just knew that i didn't want to have to like take that argument with the hospital staff which was you know one of my
1: biggest concerns for the thing it's it's so important to have someone if you walk into hospital to advocate for you and I just I think that period I just don't think that women should walk into hospital alone with their partners they need that if you're going to birth in the hospital 100%. You need someone, it doesn't matter how informed you are you are not supposed to advocate for yourself in labor like that is not the time you no. need to be in the birthing realm and um and you know when it comes to you know i'm very supportive of women birthing exactly how they want and feel most safe and if you and i'm totally for women free birthing but if you are you need to be you need to really do the work and sit with it and be 100% okay with. I mean, you should always be 100% okay with death in life because that's part of life. But in birth and doing free birth, you need to sit with all those really big, scary things and fully claim them. Like it's a big thing to to take on. And and i mean like, do it if you feel like it. But I did know with you and your husband, it wasn't, I could feel that it wasn't that 100% like I am super committed to this journey but you but I could feel and sense how you really didn't want to be in hospital Mm. so it was such a great idea seeing as you know being in Sweden and being an Australian midwife I wasn't registered to be assisting birth as a registered midwife hence why I am a spiritual midwife in Sweden and now I'm actually officially unregistered as of May (laughs) here's my (laughs) announcement I no longer have and hold a registration I am a midwife and i will always be a midwife but i am so fed up with the system that i have now said beep it to it mm-hmm. and i am <laughs> i am fully um sovereign now to speak and be fully authentic in the space that's so needed so that's why i've decided to deregister Mm, I just love the work that you do Anna and I, still, I know
0: I'm not like pregnant anymore or having any more babies but I, I follow you and everything and it's so important work that you do and there's you know there's change makers in this world and you're one of them and I think there needs to be more of that um, And like you say every you know everyone if you're going into the hospital, that's totally fine and you know like I can't speak bad about the whole thing because I do know that people have really great experience as well but to have someone by your side that knows it and can sort of advocate for you at that time is is needed a hundred percent because I, I think husbands or partners they do get overlooked at the hospital and they you know they're yeah. kind of like
1: and they, and they don't know and, they should, no, and they're and, not and, educated and they it, it will be overwhelming for them too like and yeah. if someone pulls out with the, which they do all the time the dead baby card in the hospital your husband's not going to go like no she doesn't want to have the von toos he's going to mm-hmm. go get the baby out right yeah of course he will uh, yeah well
0: they were they were talking in swedish when when they did that and oh, i just saw that his face and he started crying and i was like what the hell have they just said you know that and it was the dead baby card, yeah. and how awful that is and i i would i actually want to help women to not have to have to go through that like rhetoric around be you know putting that on the parents when they're in hospital where you're taught growing up it's the safest place to be right birth is not medic it's not a medical you're, you're not you're not sick Mm-mm. And it was, I think, in the 50s when all that, you know, the patriarchy and the, <laughs> the whole thinking around like, we need to control the birthing situation. Whereas for centuries, women have done it in barns in at home. I, I spoke to my mum the other day, she was born in bed at home. Mm-hmm. And that was completely normal, even my mum's era. Yeah. And so it's only really
1: this generation that's The last hundred. We're led to believe. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Very much so. And woman was, you know, it's just seen as part, just when you say like someone putting in their fingers and pulling on your cervix, thinking that it's all about mechanics. It's just about pulling the cervix forward and you open but it's not your cervix has its own intelligence Mm. and she's so delicate and sensitive and she will just keep close if she doesn't feel safe and who exactly freaking fucking feels safe if someone has their fingers up vagina and pulling at her like it just it just blows my mind yeah still like the mainstream practice right it just
0: I, uh, yeah, oh, I could go on and on and on and on and on. We need to get into your action. Yes. Story. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so we sourced a midwife, right? We sourced the midwife for you. That was um, an amazing midwife that has so many years of a home birth. Mm. almost behind her she's traveled she was even in the ukraine uh, assisting women now during the war like she is an amazing midwife right and she's situated here in stockholm and she was free she could assist so
0: originally she wasn't i oh. remember because when we first but so when i was first in contact with you and i i called my man so i got a recommendation from another midwife that lives mm. in uh, vesteros and she was like, "Oh, I'm actually going to the Ukraine. Not sure I'll be back for your due date, um, guest date. Well, it was the hospital due date, so it wasn't my guest date." <laughs> and then, strangely, she texted me, "I was overdue," and she texted me saying, "Oh no, no, I think it was like the week before my due date," and said, "Oh, I'm actually back now from the Ukraine. Um, if you're still looking for." A- a midwife, I can. um I can't be on call for you because I do have other uh women I'm booked in with. But um if I'm available that day that you give birth, then I'll come. <laughs> so it was really like, you know, shooting from the hip, winging, winging it. Still, so this, there was still a plan of I might actually have to go to hospital mm. if she's not available. But you know, as these things work out, the stars aligned,
1: and she was available, and yeah. Amazing! It <laughs> is so amazing how also like women, you know, we can hold babies in if we know like okay, so this is where you know I've just had that happen, and I know so many colleagues have had that happen. Like if you're gone, then she won't birth until you're back, or you know, if you're not available, she'll hold on for a few more days. You know, it's just it's magic like that how it actually very often aligns, and even when I've had many clients um starting birthing at the same time or days after each other it's never ever been that I've missed a birth so far Mm. touch wood like in in so many years I have not had that happen I've had to go from one birth to another but it hasn't been Mm -hmm. you missed one so uh, except that some I do have been in the car a few times with the FaceTime when the babies come but you know (laughs) that that works too (laughs) then you know the partner catches or the mom catches and it's oh, all wow. fine, right? It's mm. and that's when birth birth works. Yeah. Ninety nine percent of the time, like it works. It works. And then it you come, you know, post you know, but just after. And that's really, really when you need a midwife, truly so mm. actually more so after the baby's born. Yeah. You know, just to see that, you know, bleeding and babies all right. And you know, Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um
0: it's just nice to know. Mm. you've got someone medically trained mm. if there's anything wrong with the
1: baby or mm. yeah calling you the mystics mothers maidens and magas the nurturers healers birth workers midwives doulas and nurses the seers and visionaries shamans and changemakers and you the rebel ones You who recognize birth as a sacred portal and a life-altering event worthy of honoring and safeguarding. You who want to walk alongside women through her rite of passage from maiden to mother and provide a safe, sacred and physiological birth space. Here is your invitation to apply for the Spiritual Midwife Mentorship Program starting in September. A full year's container of learning, embodying and deepening into a true space holder and sacred advocate for a woman's rite of passage of birth. By weaving ancient and modern knowledge of her story, women's wisdom, physiological birth skills and the art of sacred space holding, this program is unique to its kind as it also offers transformational one-on-one mentoring with me, personally assisting you in becoming the clear channel and the best space holder that you can be. You will be held nurtured and supported for a whole year inside our worldwide spiritual midwife community as you learn and embody the teachings and skills and start sharing your gifts with the world. This mentorship program is for you who feel a deep calling to serve as the custodian of the sacred at the birth altar whose intuition is ringing clear as you receive this invitation. Find out more and apply at the thenaturalbirthcourse.com. So, okay, so let's dive into your birth story now. Let's okay. begin with, we were just sitting here the timeline with their little <laughs> the confusing timeline yes um, because I had totally um, totally forgot that you were in prodromal labor for quite a few days let's talk about that what do you remember about those days being on and off in labor I think I was <laughs> um
0: I think we I first texted you on the 13th which was three days after the due date I just had a little bit of cramping but it stopped and then On the 18th of May, I contacted you again because I'd been had like really terrible night's sleep on and off surges throughout the night and texted you thinking that, oh, it's probably going to be close soon. And then uh, little did we know it was not close because this kind of went on then the 19th, 20th, 20th, I think I sent like my little girl to her grandmother's. Um, because I really genuinely thought that the 19th, like the contractions are like 10 minutes apart, and I'd lost my mucus plug. And I was like, right, action. And then I don't know what it was. I, I think the fact that I'd sent Malou away, my little girl. I think I needed her there. Like I sort of the last month before Ruben arrived, um, she was like laying on me all the time and sleeping. I suppose like a dog they do you know and they know that you're about to have a baby and she was just very uh clingy throughout the night and and I think I missed that when she was gone so I got her back and then it all started up again (laughs) so then the 21st I think she was back with grandmother and then things were quickening up the contraction surges were getting closer together and then it's a bit of a blur those days because it was just, it was long, but I, I was saying to you earlier before the call that I had, um, I've forgotten the word again, uh, the needles.
1: Oh, acupuncture. Acupuncture.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had that like three times, had loads of massages, trying to, um, get the cervix ready and feel relaxed and welcoming the, the birth. And no, he stayed in there till he was fully cooked and ready. And uh, yeah, we cooked a really nice dinner. We'd been for a walk. I think I'd, I'd ran around this running track trying to get some movement. And that night, I think it was watching this Australian movie called The Winery or something. It was quite a funny, romantic comedy. And that definitely, I feel like that movie really kicked things off cuz i was sat on the yoga ball um go you know calmly going through the surges and then all of a sudden it just quickened up and then that's when we texted you i think it was around 30 in the afternoon yeah and so then we got everything set up and and then just kept track the, the time between each surge so we knew when would be a good time to contact you but i think that it was Victor that ended up contacting you because yeah. I'd gotten to a point where I I didn't even know what was going on anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so then I think he must have called your text and said, Yeah, come come over. Yeah, <laughs> Which I is had about a nine feeling. o'clock.
1: Yeah, I had a feeling when you I have a little texts here from the morning and that you were resting, and then a little update that you'd had, like more regular Contractions from lunchtime, you know, starting to, you were starting to do some of the natural induction techniques. You he wrote to me here, (laughs) yeah, some of the things
0: that I recommend. Spinning babies, yeah, Yeah. that was funny,
1: and we just had a laugh
0: with it all. It was, yeah, experimental
1: and fun. Yeah, and also it's so funny. He said around uh, dinner time, around six, he was like does eating slow down later <laughs> should she <laughs> eat dinner <laughs> or more light like 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 soup um and he said oh I've cooked chicken with some veggies and I, was, <laughs> yeah. and I was like, yes absolutely if she wants to eat she should eat just you know and the next time I heard from him uh was probably around nine and then I rocked mm-hmm. up around just before 10 p.m right to yeah your place And I remember, um, you know, coming into the space and you made it so beautiful. It was like dark and there was fairy lights and low lighting. And um, you were in your bedroom, you had that mattress on the floor and the lattice ball. And you were, I think when I came in, you were standing and just moving and swaying from Mm. side to side. And you were doing your thing and you were standing up on your tippy toes and in, yeah with contractions and oh yeah I forgot a, about that yeah doing a little bit of that kind of birth dance and I remember just encourage you to you know, lower your voice a bit because you were a little bit you know it was definitely you were definitely very much in active labor it was like mm. you know because we weren't sure right because you had gone for this prodomo on and off for a few days right but i had a feeling that day that it would be that day and um when i and when i took um the taxi over to your place i definitely felt like yes i mean i, I definitely think this is it but i wonder where she's at you know mm. and moving in there's like yeah she's definitely inactive but i think you thought at that time that you were like probably gonna have a baby so or at least maybe your husband did i remember Going, oh, I don't think it's time just yet. Or if he asked me, I can't remember. But it was like, no, it's a, it's a yeah. bit. Better. Yeah, and um, I could feel, you know, I I came in and I was with you for a while. But then I could feel like I think it's better if I leave. Remember that I went and yeah, it kind of slowed down a little bit. And I remember you
0: saying, "I'm just gonna go into the living room because I think I'm, I think I'm making it slow down." And I actually know what I'm like because you'd just arrived I wanted to like talk to you and mm-hmm. make sure that you were okay and that yeah must I didn't realize what it was doing but that definitely must have been why things slowed down a little bit and you'd notice that but I, I I didn't yeah so you went out the room and then I think Victor and I tried to have a little bit of rest since the, the surges had slowed down a little bit um but I, I mean you can't it was so difficult to rest. <laughs> It's like, but nah, this is not, this is too like, but that's a good, comfortable.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, cause I definitely saw like you were fully in the throes of labor, like this would not stop, but that is the thing. Like even I, who you knew and we had great rapport and you trusted me and, you know, we had this good relationship. Anyone coming into your space will alter the chemistry of birth. Mm even the most trusted person. And so this is what everyone needs to understand, right? And that also as birth workers that we need to understand. So, you know, we had a bit of a chat. I think I was with you for maybe half an hour, an hour before us, you know, telling you guys, you know, just do your thing, rest if you want to. But if you can't, that's great. You know, that's a positive thing, but just, you know, rest because resting kicks things up again because you're really relaxing, right? That's the key, right? Relaxing, fully mm-hmm. body, mind and self. So I snuck out to the living room to lie down on the couch a bit and just listened to your sounds. And um, you know, I think it was only about an hour I was in the living room until I came back in because I could hear your sounds were shifting. Yeah, and I th- I,
0: I just remember you giving me like help. I was sort of leaning over the ball, I think, and you did something to my back, and it was felt really nice. <laughs> I don't know what you did, but it was like a relief. Yeah. And then I
1: think from that point on, it's just a blur. Yeah, because you went deep. You went in, went deep into the birth round. Yeah. Then, really so it was a good thing for me to just leave, and I didn't have to leave long until you kind of got back into where you probably were before I came. You know, but my my presence kind of took you out a bit, and then you came back, mm. and. Uh, think i'm did i i think i i said to your husband to go and rest or something for a little mm. while like we were tag teaming and i was like i'll, I'll just be with that's her. right yeah. yeah and so he left and we did that you were on the Plotus ball i was pressing your hips together or giving mm. you some acupressure points and at some point he must have come back because i remember this moment so you know i came around 10 i think by 11 between 11 and 12 i might have scooted away to the living room (laughs) and then I was back around probably 12 or something I can't remember because you you would have the you would know when things happened because I can't also fully say with a timeline but you might have it written down or texts with the midwife and everything but I know that me and Reuben at one point then after that when he had maybe had a rest for a while came back and you had this moment do you remember that moment no (laughs) So you have this moment where all of a sudden you like I don't know if you lie back like from oh being a gosh yes. yes and it's like you're gonna have a head come out of your bum or something It just the way you react both me <laughs> and your husband were like shit what's happening are you having the baby now oh my god I that that was like
0: I had this complete like moment where I was that must have been a transition or I don't know what you call but it was it was so intense that it literally just like completely bolted me backwards and at that point I was thinking to myself oh I wish I had some gas and air (laughs) but you know you can't have that here in Sweden uh, if you have a home birth but then that quickly passed and I got back into the rhythm and then I just remember from that point on I didn't know where to put myself where to be and I was kind of like pacing between being out in our tiny 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 bathroom and leaning over the chest of drawers behind me here um and yeah it was the tiptoes because I, it was like with every surge was just almost like I was I don't know if I was trying to get my tiptoes to get away from uh, the sensation or what uh, It just happened that I was, you know, but I kept. I I think, did you say to me, like, oh, just every time you get a search, just go, yes. Mm. (laughs) Was it you that said that? Probably. (laughs) Welcome it in and say, yes, Mm. thank you. And so I was trying to concentrate on doing that and um, not letting it sort of overpower me because I was. We didn't want to get that where i flew back again because it was like so intense.
1: Yeah, it was really um, something that jolted you and when that happened, there was a shift. There was definitely a transition and um after that you started to to have more of a in between more of a pushy um sound.
0: It mm, was not every,
1: but it was starting to shift and you yeah. were starting to bring baby down. Yeah, yeah, i remember that was when i started making noises. um and you started to sound, and I think you voiced that too, that you were feeling more pressure in your bottom. Mm. And that, um, and I think that's the time when we uh, we decided to call in Mimansa, the second midwife. Mm. Exactly, yeah. And I just remember
0: then being on and off the toilet, which was, must have been that sensation pressing down. I was really thirsty. But nothing was quenching my thirst. I think either you or Victor bought me a huge jug of like lemon and honey water, and I just couldn't I just couldn't get enough liquids. <laughs> but that must have been out because I was super hot, and yeah, this was so intense at that point. And I, I, I don't remember you guys calling in, romance, but you must have seen the shifts.
1: Um, oh yeah, definitely. I was in in the zone yeah you were it was such Mm. a such a shift from one moment to the other all Mm. of a sudden you were like in that what you just mentioned in that place where nothing feels good you can't find a position that feels comfortable and that is when you get close to birthing because nothing will feel comfortable. You'll feel yeah. restless. You'll have that search of adrenaline that makes you restless and anxious and just, oh my God, I can't, okay, I can't sit, I can't stand, I can't lie, I can't be on the side, I can't be on all fours. Nothing works, you know, and yeah, frustrated. <laughs> and so you started pacing, you started doing that, you started sounding more pushy. And um, so your husband called Mansa, oh no, sorry, I think this happened before when you had that jolt you had actually been doing this for a while sorry we're just mixing up the story here we're trying to remember it both of us (laughs) when you did that jolt we actually went oh she really needs to be here soon like this baby might come because you're a second time mom so you Mm. you know that phase of like when you're ready to push it it might not be long and she had i think at least a minimum of an hour to drive to you yeah an hour I think I, I, I do remember like being on the bed and then
0: you and Victor kind of looking at each other as if to say, like, we might have to deliver this. Yeah. No, I it, definitely think without like the that. midwife here. And yeah, I think you went and got the kettle, some yep. hot water and towels. And I always thought to myself, why do, you know, in like movies and stuff, why do like always people say, right, we need some hot clean water and some clean towels or something like that and I saw you preparing these towels and hot water
1: I'm like what what what's that for I was preparing for maybe using it as a um, warm compress on yes your, right on okay it makes sense yeah
0: but we yeah
1: <laughs> but we didn't get to that because it didn't go that fast no. you kind of had that really intense jolt and in moment and then you kind of you know, go, yeah, mm. yeah. You, you kind of found your rhythm, and then you eventually jumped into the pool. Not long. Like this is not a long time, you know. As we called, or he called the midwife. She probably took one hour, a bit longer, maybe. And she was only really there until he had a baby. I don't think so mm. much. Like maybe an hour max. Just hour, yeah. yeah. I think.
0: Yeah. I think, it's like cause she walked through the door and I, I, she was hiding behind the door and there's was, there was no light on in the hallway and I just saw this like tall lady stood behind the door like what does someone say troll uh, mother the, the, the lady that lives yeah. in the woods because she lives yeah. in the woods yeah. so I had this like oh this lovely lady that's here and it was just this calm presence that she brought with her yeah. and it was must have been I think 20 minutes after that and I just was like pushing babies come in yeah <laughs> i'm getting in that back in that pool and <laughs> um it was almost like there was nothing around me i it was just me and this like a tunnel almost of the babies coming in and now i'm going to get it out it was just like impulsive I didn't even I wasn't even thinking it was just like my body took me to the pool and then I just got on all fours and yeah it just was doing it itself I was so amazed by that like you just knew what to do and no one had I hadn't had the heart rate checked I hadn't had anyone seeing how dilated I was or anything like that and it's just it was this sense of yeah now now your body knows what to do and that's what you're built for mm-hmm. and that gave me so much encouragement at that point even though the surges were really 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 intense that uh, yeah that agitation and frustration didn't know how to feel be say or anything and every little thing was irritating me <laughs> like even I think we would got a candle lit in there in the bedroom in in, sorry just to set the scene a little bit we'd put a birth pool in my daughter's room mm. and had fairy lights and s- some candles in there but even the candle light was too bright <laughs> I think you I asked you to blow it out because that was just too much for me that light <laughs> which is nonsense really because you know no.
1: but you then, were yeah. totally in your primal birthing body and realm and that's exactly how birth should you know she'd be, she'd be in a warm cozy small space that is dark and that's exactly what you created for yourself like it was so dark in there could barely see anything <laughs> <laughs> and you were in the pool and the beautiful midwife literally just sat on a stool next to you yeah. and I was next to you and your husband was next to you holding your hands anchoring you and we I feel like barely anyone of us spoke you know we were just sitting yeah. there there was just a few words here and there of like I think reminding you maybe to breathe, but I don't even think we did much yeah. of that like you were just doing it and we were I just loved that it. I loved that um
0: it, it, it that that part was probably my favorite part because I just loved how all of you believed in me in that moment and that is what I needed to be able to feel capable to do it. And it was such a transformation from how I felt quite helpless with my first birth and how I felt so empowered with this one and just you guys holding that space. And, you know, I just remember looking up and seeing mansa on the armchair, just legs crossed, laying back, super chilled, drinking this coffee.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I, and I, I, kind of, I think I said to her, like, do I need to do anything? do you need to do anything? Do you need to just check? And she's like, do you want me to? She said, you shouldn't, you're doing a good job. And she kind of nodded like that and continued drinking the coffee. And I was like, okay, she trusts me, which, which sounds crazy, but just knowing that mm. or being, how do I say this? You know, having someone trust you mm. was enough for me to feel like, Yeah, I've got this. I've got this. I can do this now, Um, which took away that fear. And I just went into, right, and it was, I I think it was, what, three or four surges, and then it it just came, and I I think it was the second to last one. I'd already felt his head, and that kind of gave me an even more of a, a confidence boost, like, frigging hell yes we're there and I thought right I really want to get him out again because I don't want to have any more I don't want to do this anymore I just want to get him out I'm tired (laughs) that I I just remember really going for it (laughs) in that last part and I pushed like I was I don't know on the toilet I was like and I felt so proud of myself that that got the head completely out And the shoulders were still inside, and then, yeah, the next one kind of did it itself because yeah, it was already the hard part was done, Mm. and then what happened then? Yeah, his he came out. (laughs) We were like, oh my god, he's come out in the in the um, in the sack. Yeah, do you remember that? And it like exploded when it got in the water um so special yeah just uh that whole so uh, so amazing that whole came part of the birth cool. yeah mm-hmm.
1: and i remember um you saying before that you wanted photos but it was so dark yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i was trying to get some photos and i got this this one that you can actually see the baby and you're holding mm-hmm. the baby and you can just see a piece of the says hair there (laughs) but yeah you just did that you just did that like this birthing sovereign queen just you know sitting next to you being in awe of how you really did trust fully your body and you know that's all you need as a birthing woman you just need people around you that you feel fully trusted in like you Mm. trusted us As your birth team, you knew that you were safe in that room, that if you needed anything, you were looked after. So you could fully then, like, just claim your birth and birth your baby with no worries whatsoever. And you could feel that in the room, like, you feel the calm and the trust. And I think actually, your husband said that. I don't know if he said it during or after, but I know he said it to me at one point. He was just like, like you and you and the other midwife, you were so calm. Like yeah, like you, you didn't do anything. <laughs> it was like yeah, well that's that's a good thing if we don't do anything. Like that's how yeah, it's that's supposed the idea. To. That's yeah. the idea. If we do nothing, like that's the best outcome. Yeah, I I and
0: I, I, I think that gave him confidence too, yeah. because he was, he was like he felt like he'd you know he'd done the right thing you know without having to because he was told a lot of things when we were in the hospital the first time and Mm. and I think he felt quite powerless and um this time it just gave him such a confidence boost that he'd been able to do that and you trusted him and he trusted you and and he was almost like quite shocked that nothing needed to be done yeah he was so hands-off literally he was like oh you know, it's not something that has to be done here. And it's like, no, that is birth. Like you it is so natural. I always think about a cat actually, like a cat when a cat gives birth, mm. goes away into the dark. Dark night goes away from everything and births in a dark space. And I, I think that's how I envisaged my birth and that's how it sort of unfolded. And I feel so lucky for that. Um mm. yeah it just was really beautiful but then I I think I did go into a little bit of shock when I'd birthed him because I was I was probably so stunned that I'd been able to do that or my body was able to do that this innate intelligence that kind of took my breath away a little bit and I just remember feeling quite shaky and like I lost all my energy at that point Mm. um so then yeah I think I got out of the pool. and then, yeah, I think my whole, I I was shaking so
1: much. Is that quite normal though, that you, you shake after? Absolutely. I think we even talked about that. So there's this adrenaline surge at birth, which is so natural and normal. It's helping you to birth your baby. It makes you also alert. Mm. You know, it makes you, you just click on and you just get this ultra human power to just like, you know, do this really hard task of, actually birthing the baby mm. and afterwards it's like your body's trying to get rid of all this adrenaline and so it makes you shake so it's a natural physiological normal thing to do um, mm. and to also feel like you felt like I mean you had been in prodromal labor for days like four or so days not full days but like not sleeping well during the night being on and off that's tiring waiting hoping mm being excited first and then being disappointed like that also takes a lot out of you and then obviously just labor and birth in itself is a huge you know physical event mm. so no no wonder you were you were tired as well yeah I so was, we got yeah. you out of the pool I think and walked you over to your bed and yeah and then I think I was losing quite a lot of blood
0: mm. at that point.
1: But it, I don't you, know if it was yeah.
0: maybe a that said that and she was
1: well concerned. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's talk about it. So, I mean, so this is how I remembered it. So we walked out to your bed. You were just ecstatic. The sun was up or get, coming up or something. I'm not sure exactly when you birthed your baby. Do you remember the time? Uh, it was
0: yeah, 420.
1: Yeah. So obviously this was in May, which is like one of the lightest months in Sweden. Like it's just the sun just really never really sets almost. It's like mm. you just have that little dusk dawn for a few hours. So it was you know, sunny in your in your bedroom and uh light and you were lying there and I remember you smiling. I think we were making you some sandwiches and we had maybe tea or something. I can't remember everything you were you were eating and drinking and Mm. you were lying there and your baby was breastfeeding on your belly and you're just having a great old time and you had a bit of a a loss (laughs) I I just remember getting a
0: second wind I I don't think that was immediately after Mm. um because I was still shaking quite a lot then and yeah I think you all went and got me some blankets and yeah, when, um the the blood, my mum was a little bit concerned, so she suggested giving me an injection to stop yeah. that, which, in hindsight, I wouldn't do that again, um, because it didn't make me feel very nice. The the injection. Yeah, I'm not sure what what it is about that injection, but it makes your uterus contract. I think is that right? Yeah. So, yep. Uh yeah, it didn't feel too nice, but you know, uh that is her job um to ensure the safety of the mum
1: and the baby. So um yeah, and it was uh, quite, you know, you were in the bed for quite some time. I mean, she went and did some notes, we were getting you sandwiches. So it was probably after about half an hour or something that, that call was made that yeah. she offered you that. And I remember telling you, you know Um, because you, you know, you were holistically doing fine. You were awake, you were chatting, you had good color. You were just, you were just having a bit of clots happening. Like you had a Mm. little bit of um, blood coming out, which again, it's about looking at you holistically. We took you up, you went to the toilet, you had a wee, you walked back, you weren't faint, you know, you weren't dizzy, you were fine. Um, So I remember saying, you know, do you want do you want this injection? I think you said that you wanted it. And I think it comes mm. from that you had a hemorrhage or you were told at least that you had a hemorrhage the last time and your mom had. And, you know, it, it was probably in the back of your mind of just like, yeah. I, I'd rather be safe than sorry. And so, you know, there was a point in, in giving it to you from that point of view that you wanted that it, it made you feel safe. Mm, at that exactly, point, yeah. though, you had already kind of, um, I think, lost what you were going to lose-ish. and that. You, you know, you were fine holistically. You were walking around breastfeeding your mm. baby, talking, um, feeling, feeling yeah. good, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. it's that call mm. of like, if you look at the blood loss, yeah, you probably had lost. I don't know. I can't remember. I don't know if it says in your notes. Does it say in your notes what she wrote down? I think it wasn't quite.
0: It was almost on the borderline of being too much. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think that was why we sort of made that call, and yeah, it it's yeah,
1: is For what anyone, it is. And you learn,
0: you, I, I learned from that situation yeah. that if you know, if I'm feeling fine and, and everything, it was it was probably more that I was ha- reliving the story of what my mom told me. And she felt like she was going to die, yeah. and she grabbed like a box of chocolates that her sister had brought and just shoved them in her mouth to like get some energy from because she was on her own in the hospital when it happened and and then she had to have a blood transfusion
1: mm. um and after, those stories me <laughs> yeah those stories live in you and affect yeah. you and that came up for you so you know in that moment it probably was a good call in that mm-hmm. sense because it, it made you feel totally I remember when you said yes to it and I could see that you know for you at that point it was a hundred percent yes mm. you know so there was no discussion it was mm. like yeah you wanted that it felt good now in hindsight obviously you felt because it does give you stronger afterbirth pains now as a second time mom you're going to have stronger afterbirth pains than the first time and the third time worse than that and so on and so forth it just gets a bit stronger every time Uh, and the syntosin or the oxytocin as it's called synthetic oxytocin does make it stronger because it's a mm. drug it's a synthetic drug that's meant to clamp down your uterus to not bleed to close that those blood vessels and um and yeah prevent hemorrhage now you know hindsight is always yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's
0: a loads of things that you can learn in hindsight and I understand now from from the first birth I, like mm. I learned from that to have this Magical experience, second time, and even if I had a third baby, which I'm not allowed to really say that in front of Victor just quite yet, yeah, he's still like trying to cope with two, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, that might be an accidental third, you
1: accidental. never know, <laughs> accidental, just like, accidental uh, like, yeah,
0: exactly. Um, <laughs> no, but if, if you know, I think if I was to have a third one, I probably might even do a free birth because I feel quite confident in. Mm. the body now and like I get the drill of how it is and and truly just that confidence now is it's impenetrable it's like Mm. yeah it's powerful feeling to feel when you you know you can do what you were built to do if you know what I mean the rite of passage as a female like wow and I really would love uh for other people to experience that as you as you you know this is what your life's work is and I think it's so
1: cool and it is it's like the power of going through a physiological birth going through something that is hard like it's so hard it's not an easy task, whatever birth you have, whether it's an hour or 10 hours or 10 days of that journey, it's hard, it's a hard ordeal to birth. But it just, it. what you get out of that challenge is the, the embodied knowledge you have now of your power. Mm-hmm. No one can take that away from you. And no one can show you that or tell you about it, really. You, you, you don't know until you experience it the visceral embodied feeling that you've experienced Mm. now and you can really compare it because you've had two very opposite experiences yeah and that was another thing that I noticed the difference between the two
0: is I was literally feeling high as a kite after the second one for weeks it was almost like I I couldn't there was just like love and joy bursting from (laughs) every part of my body and it's hard to describe but then someone said well you you know it's like if you run a marathon for example you get that like runners high afterwards and it can last a long time whereas you know if you eat a bar of chocolate you get a momentary like rush of happiness happy hormones and Mm -hmm. then you crash so and I I feel like the fact that the birth was like a long one in the sense that it was on and off for quite a few days, but trying to keep up that good feeling and trust in the process, so to speak, was like this journey and feeling all of those tough surges Mm. kind of created this like long lasting high afterwards once it was all done
1: with. In and that's the magic of physiological birth like the building of the oxytocin receptors and you know what the longer you are in labor the more oxytocin receptors are created so even more of that mm-hmm. i even more of that explosion of love and joy that you just experienced and and expressed to us like that is the reward of going through the ordeal that it is to birth a baby yeah but it's like the most amazing gift and it also it primes you you know to bond with your baby on such a powerful deep place within you and even though you love your baby regardless of how it's born the bonding can you did you have a different experience the second time around with your bonding with your baby compared to the first
0: yeah I I mean I did bond immediately well with my first um, but I feel like she came out so, she was so quiet mm. and she just would look at me and I feel like we'd been through that kind of traumatic things together. And I feel like we bonded because of that. Um, and, you know, she took the the breast straight away. So they, it, But it was hard in the sense that I felt like I'd been through like a car wash. You know, I felt battered. Yeah. Whereas the the so I I couldn't fully like take that take it in that mm. postpartum beginning part everything was painful yeah. and I just felt like what happened there you know it was like and um, the second time it was just so much easier to process and and I, I think that bond then with Ruben was almost like. I just was like this addiction to him. Like, I couldn't take my eyes off him. I just thought it was the cutest thing in the world. (laughs) Um, And, yeah, obsessed with him and, yeah, definitely different. But even though, like, my body after Ruben was, it was achy, it just felt so much more like like an ache if you've done a a long run, that kind of feeling so
1: not a pathological
0: feeling but just like a normal yeah and it was not like I had like all these drugs that needed to come out of my system or anything um so it was felt really and you know being a spring baby it was so beautiful outside and the flowers like hope was in the air (laughs) it was so nice
1: yeah wow what a beautiful beautiful story thank you so much for coming and and sharing that you know together with me that we could weave the story together yeah Um,
0: (laughs) patched it patched it up yeah
1: (laughs) so if you had a first time mama in front of you right now who's about to have her first baby and she really wants to have a natural and empowering birth experience what advice and pearls of wisdom would you give to her i
0: would just say you are the most perfect thing that has ever been created and trust that you can birth your baby and you don't need anything to do that. It's all within you and your body knows exactly what to do. Um, so just trust the process. That's what the one piece of advice. And it is so worth it to have that what is rightly yours. It's your birthright to have a baby physiologically peacefully beautifully um and it feels very empowering afterwards and it's yeah like it's a magical gift and we should all we all deserve that right we all deserve feeling good and yeah I would just go with your gut and do it it's not nothing to regret, honestly,
1: <laughs> to have a home birth, a natural birth. Yeah, beautiful. Trusting fully the process in yourself is the biggest gift. And whatever you need to do to come to the point where you can fully do that, I'd say to add to that. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's been absolutely a pleasure seeing (laughs) you yourself again.
0: Same and so lovely to see you and thank you for having me on your podcast.
1: thank you for listening if you love this podcast then please consider sharing it leave a review or make a contribution on our patreon page and if you want to connect on social media then find the podcast on instagram as the natural birth podcast thank you for listening